Infinite Shelf is brought to you by Shopware. Shopware is an open commerce platform built for brands to deliver the experience their customers need today and into the future. Learn more at shopware.com slash infinite shelf. Infinite Shelf is brought to you by Gorgeous, the number one e-commerce help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce brands. With Gorgeous, you can automate up to 20% of your commonly asked questions. Plus, it seamlessly integrates into your existing tech stack. Visit G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot com slash Infinite Shelf for two months free. Infinite Shelf is brought to you by Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerhouse platform makes it easy to understand your ad spend across media. Visit trytriplewhale.com slash infinite shelf to try it for yourself. Hello, and welcome to Infinite Shelf, the human centric retail podcast. I'm your host, Ingrid Milman Cordy, and I am here with our guest co host for season two, Kiri Masters. Hey, Kiri. Hey, hey. All right. Well, we have a really good episode for you today. We are continuing our journey across the characteristics that make us human, right? And so in previous episodes, we talked about themes like belonging and community, things like creativity, things like storytelling and purpose. And today's episode is all about the human characteristic of memory, right? And how do we interact with brands and and products and where does sort of memory and and frankly nostalgia come mm. into play as it relates to memory and Kiri, I know you are like rimming with ideas about how this <laughs> how this kind of plays into the commerce space so how do you what where what's your point of view even like coming from the Amazon side yeah so I'm neck deep in Amazon I have been for seven years and this is this is something that it's not completely new, but it has seemingly sort of escalated over time. And that is this sort of uh, flea market feel on on Amazon in particular where when you go there and find, you're looking for something that's you know might be a commodity. And there's like pages after pages of stuff that all looks the same from these brands that you've never heard of that you don't, understand what the quality level is, where it comes from, is this going to break and I have to return it. And I've personally seen like a a big sort of flight back to legacy brands and national brands as that has sort of escalated. And especially during times of uncertainty and turmoil, like at, at the start of the pandemic in particular, big swing back to national brands and that sense of comfort and security. So it is, you know, seemingly, you know, there's there's this market consolidation and fraction, fraction cycle that happens periodically. Seems to me like market really kind of fractured with the Amazon marketplace and Amazon sort of becoming a platform of lots and lots of different entrepreneurs and factories direct from China actually being able to sell directly to customers. And that was that's a great thing insofar as it removes a lot of the, you know, a lot of the waste in the system. But then it also is very confusing and 
I, I would like, even though I can return an item for free, I don't necessarily want to go to the hassle of like organizing that and taking the package to UPS or whatever I have to do to return something that doesn't work. I want to buy something that I, I know and I trust and I have that has that kind of legacy. So I think that legacy and the 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 trust that comes from a brand or a company that's been around for decades is something it is a really really powerful moat today when there is just such an abundance of choices and options and maybe less trust than we might have had when there were just less options available right yeah i I think you're hitting on so many points that resonate with me as it relates to like my selection for products as a consumer and then even just the brands that i watch and follow and learn from uh, throughout the entire spectrum and it's interesting because i think about the big 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 shift in consumer needs and expectations that came along with all of the disruptions, like the disruptor brands, right? You got the Warby Parkers and the Caspers and the Glossiers and all of the whole D2C direct-to-consumer from the the plants to and cutting out all the middle people and breaking through industries that f- truly just haven't been disrupted in decades, right? And I think that mm-hmm. There was that big heyday, and then it did definitely change consumer sentiment toward questioning, probably for the first time in a really long time, what, why they were just buying this because they've always bought it, and oh, wow, this is actually maybe a better product for a lesser price. And then I think those brands are examples of brands that really did justifiably break through. And then I think they led the way for all of the sort of like <laughs> diet glossier brands hmm. that came in and were were sort of like hinging on these these opened up concepts of, oh, mm. I don't need to buy everything from Estee Lauder or these mm. Clinique or all these brands that have been around for 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 decades, I can think about, oh, this is this young, cool brand and it's it's just as good quality, maybe for lesser price, maybe it comes in better packaging or whatever the case might be. And then, of course, all of the copycats and, and all of those things start to deteriorate what your expectations are and the pendulum swings all the way, especially when the world is shaken in the way that it was during COVID to going back to reducing your level, your, 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 your level of risk that you're able yeah. to, to take on or, or wanting to take on because so many things are questions. The one question that I don't want to have is which cereal should I buy, right? This, I'm going to go yes. to the cereal that I've always bought and it brings me this level of comfort and nostalgia yeah. that I, that I'm expecting. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think that the, the, the nostalgia is super interesting. Um, especially on those on these platforms like Amazon where there is a lot of noise it's a way of separating brands out um and i yeah but, yeah you know it's what so, it's it's very it's very emotional right yes. so like i have a i have a a very old like Russian anecdote, like a joke <laughs> that I, I think of when it comes to like you know nostalgia driving yeah. your driving your purchasing. So the joke goes, 
a husband, you know, a man gets married to a woman and the woman is trying, you know, his favorite food is this like meatloaf that his, his mother made. And so the mother teaches the wife how to make the meatloaf at every single detail. The wife tries to replicate it, works super, super hard, puts it in front of the husband. The husband's like, it's good, but it's not like my mom's. And so she's like, shoot, <laughs> man, I'm never, I'm not going to be, okay, let me try one more time. And so she really, really amps up the perfection of exactly following the instructions that the mother gave and to a T. And, and she's so, she's so excited because she's like, this time I really nailed it. And she gives it to the husband and the husband says, it's wow, it's really delicious. But you know, it's just not like my mother's. And so she's furious now. And so she goes and she's like, oh, this is my one last time. And she does the same thing and she goes really hard. And then she actually leaves it in the oven too long. She got distracted and she burns it. And she's like, oh, I am so screwed. This is so bad. And she gives it to her husband and her husband says, that's just like my mother made it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole idea is that it doesn't have to actually be better. It just has to be the way that you're used to having it as a kid. And it's it's just this funny idea of how early these impressions mm. of brands and experiences and products are established in our minds. And mm. I promise there's a segue here. The segue is into luxury brands, right? And thinking about if I were to ask you to name the top five luxury brands in the world, I, well, let's do it. What, are, what do you think? What are, the, or let's go three, top three luxury brands in the world. What are the first ones that come to mind? Knee jerk reaction. Um, probably Louis Vuitton, Chanel and Tiffany. Okay. So yes. And all of those brands are over a hundred years old. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and it, over a hundred years old and also made by either European or are very European inspired like Tiffany's and in, in, yeah. in the U S and so there are all of these connections to, and, and you're from Australia. Right? Mm -hmm. So like there are all these connections to luxury that we establish really, really early on in our lives that I find really fascinating because it's been very hard to watch new luxury brands have the same longevity and heritage. Yes. I mean, they can't have the heritage, but like the longevity and, and the presence in our minds as these really, really old design houses. The other ones are yeah. Balenciaga and Gucci and Fendi and Givenchy and all of these brands. They're all, they're, they're all over a hundred years old. Mm. And it's just so fascinating to me how the most, you know, arguably discerning and um, moneyed and resourced people who can afford these products are still time and time again going back to these heritage brands. And yep. if it's not memory and nostalgia that is creating those connections, I don't know what is. Nobody knows your customers better than you do. So why limit yourself? Offer outstanding customer experiences with Shopware, a turnkey open commerce platform featuring the Rule Builder for powerful and fully customized customer journeys. The Flow Builder for no-code automation of complex business operations and everyday workflows. And Guided Selling to create interactive live video events straight from your Shopware website. Trust Shopware's open framework and powerful network to help you deliver the exceptional experiences 
your customers deserve now and into the future. Join tens of thousands of successful merchants worldwide. Find out more at shopware.com slash infinite shelf. These are, like you said, heritage brands and products that are in a lot of cases passed down to the next generation. And mm-hmm. that is, you know, this, this memory concept is um, our brains are receptacles of the past a means of passing our life stories to the next generation for continuity. And I know you were talking about luxury brands and, you know, maybe I would, you know, pass down my, you know, Cartier engagement ring to my, you know, my, my sons and daughters. But I also think that it, even without the luxury piece, what you're mentioning about the cereal that you grew Mm -hmm. up on or like the cereal. I remember going to my grandmother's house as a, as a kid and me and my brother, we would open her pantry and get so excited about all the different types of like sugary cereals that she would have, like just for the grandkids and that sense of nostalgia of, you know, having the, different cereals in Australia, but Frosties and um, what else did we have? Nutrigrain and yeah. like all this stuff that we would never have at home and that sense of nostalgia and the memory. Mm-hmm. And I tell my son about that as well when I used to go to my grandmother's house and have all these different cereals. And that's a me- that's something that I really treasure and even though those cereals are things I, w- I would never, uh, I wouldn't, <laughs> really eat now like they'll always have that place for me right they bring you right back to like watching cartoons and and having that snack and and feeling taken care of right yes exactly Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think that there's you know we as parents now have the opportunity to create those memories and those brain waves with you know, our, our lentil pasta, (laughs) it can be healthier, but, and then I think just, you know, it's the same way as anyone who has lived in a country until they were like even eight or 10 years old and then moved to a country and have like, Mm -hmm. so my parents, for example, they've moved to the U S when they were 19, they're now in mm. their 60s, right? So far more of their lives have been spent in the United States than where we're from. And also, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways that that happens for, for immigrants. And mm-hmm. But my parents were very um, embracing of the American culture, right? And so mm-hmm. they, right when they got here, thought it was very important to learn the language and and probably shedded their, like their, their heritage as quickly as they possibly could, because that was how they, that, that was their journey toward immigration. And so, but, but with all of that said, they still really, really love like the Ukrainian or like Russian style of food, (laughs) like the food and those memories as it relates to like scent and, Mm. you know, what you have at a particular holiday or season is 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 instilled in them and I think I've seen that exact same thing like you always just love the the food of the culture from yes. which you come yes regardless yes. of how good or bad it is it's just like it doesn't matter it's just connected to your memory and I think that's that's such an interesting thing about the human experience and how we experience foods and products 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is something that I think a lot of these brands, and they don't have to be the you know hundreds of years old French fashion houses that we talk about, but the cereal brands, the athletic wear brands that yes. you know we grew up wearing, and they're sort of these universal brands that bring us some memories. Even you know we, we see this quite regularly in fashion and sportswear is. The, the relaunch of oh, the Angel or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because it, it is extremely nostalgic. It's something that a lot of people grew up wearing and now they're at the age where they're decking their kids out with these these um, yeah. these styles now too. So if if you have, if you work for a brand or have, a, you know, have some influence with a brand that has a little bit of legacy, I think it can be a really, really powerful thing to tap into. Gorgeous is the e-commerce help desk that turns your customer service into a profit center. Powered by machine learning and automation, Gorgeous can help your brand turn visitors into shoppers, unlock sales through live chat, text, and social media, and increase your ad effectiveness by the equivalent of a 5% increase in ad spend. Gorgeous continues all of these communication channels through email, SMS, Instagram, DMs, live chat, phone, and more, all organized in one place. With this deep integration with your e-commerce store, you'll be able to quickly see all customer data, order history, and take actions right from your help desk. To learn more about why 8,000 customers, including Steve Madden, Princess Polly, and Marine Lair, use Gorgeous, go to G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot com slash infinite shelf and get two months free today. Someone on my team thought I either had superpowers or woke up at 5 a.m. to crunch numbers. Turns out I just used Triple Whale. One of their customers actually said that. No one has to know your secret weapon is Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform built to pinpoint your ad spend across networks, helping you visualize campaign performance for smarter, more effective ad spends. Do you have superpowers? Only one way to find out. Hit trytriplewhale.com slash infinite self to try for yourself. Playing the long game, try to create those legacies, right? So like try to create those moments that you're sowing now if, you're, if your mission is longevity and trying to be one of those brands that we continue to talk about from generation to generation. So then where does that bring us going back to the Amazon example? Are there brands that maybe started out as a trend or responding to a consumer need that was truly just a product? Is there a way, do you think, to evolve the product into a brand? Or do you think that brands have to start out from the beginning with that ambition? Super interesting. I think there's some there's some stat that I'll probably butcher here, but when you look at the Fortune 500 companies and how that mix changes over the decades, it's very rare for a company to actually stay in that Fortune 500 or to you know, to, to continue on um, undisrupted over a multi-decade period. And I think that is what makes when we're talking about legacy brands, that's what makes them so special is that 
the world of commerce is it's just continually disrupted and this is you know one of the big parts of what i admire about jeff bezos and what he built with amazon is like always this like day one mentality that unless we actually kind of stick, stick to our mission of being customer centric we're going to be disrupted and i think he even jeff bezos even said at one point amazon will be disrupted at some point but the idea is to sort of stave that off as, as long as possible. Um, but the reality is that most of these companies, they do get disrupted. Someone someone else muscles in, they take their eye off the ball for whatever reason. And that's what makes that's what makes the ones that stick around so unique is that they manage to keep innovating and figuring things out. Definitely. So I think you know, there's a couple of, there's a, there's very, very few brands that I'm aware of that have reached a significant level of scale that were born on Amazon. One is that the electronics accessory brand Anka, um, charging cables and things like that. And mm-hmm. they were born on Amazon. Now you can find them at every like airport in the world. Um, and they created an Amazon shop, didn't they? Uh, like an agency. I thought they created an Amazon, like Anchor. Yeah, they did actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They created a consultancy as well. I mean, it's a huge company and amazing success. And then the other one is one that was just sold to Church and Dwight the last few weeks called um, Hero. Hero, um, they do like uh, uh Face masks. Oh, right. The beauty brand. Yeah. Beauty brand. Hero. Yeah. So they were born on Amazon as well and reached level of success. So this is the interesting thing. Like there are thousands, hundreds of thousands potentially of little brands that have started on Amazon. Very, very few. Like those are the only two ones that come to mind that reach like a significant level of scale Mm -hmm. having been born there. And there is a lot that, you know, by many, many definitions of success have been successful, but not at the point where they get like sold onto a huge company or reach like an anchor level of success. So right. it just kind of goes to, I think what we see today is a lot of small brands that have successfully solved problems in their niche, um, but relatively few kind of get to that level of 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 scale and that's what makes the ones that do actually really uh special right right and i and i think that that's such a great example of product versus brand right so like i think amazon yes takes a lot of care around their brand right like if you look at the way that even they they their organization is set up. They have so many people in PR and some mm. form of like corporate communications. And they're very, very careful about what they put out into the world, yep. what content they have and, and all of that type of thing. Whereas they're also the, the mothership for all of these individual brands and products within their marketplace. But those brands and products, to your point earlier, there yes, there are the few heroes and anchors of the world, but in reality, most of it is just like a sea of products that are there yes. to solve a problem. And they're and they're not. And I think Amazon 
is acutely aware that they themselves are the name brand and everything else is the product. I think that works incredibly strongly in their favor. And I think they understand the power of that. And I think that if you look at the opposite, which is like mall culture from the Mm. 90s and 80s, the malls, like you didn't know really, maybe you knew the name of the mall or whatever, but it was super like, it didn't matter. It was the Mm. stores in that mall, the Victoria's Secret, the Gap, the Abercrombie, the Limit, all of those like Les Wexner (laughs) brands um, Mm. were the stars of the show. And obviously there's a million other reasons why that model maybe didn't work as well. and, And it's been disrupted by Amazon, but it is a very interesting example of the power of a brand and the power of a product. And I always find myself going back to underscoring the power and the resilience and the memory and the awareness and the nostalgia that a brand allows you to have that is so much more powerful than just being a product. Even if the product is wildly better than the brand, the brand has so many more legs to stand on. Yes. That's a really interesting point about that shift from yeah the 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 platform to the product platform yeah debate yeah 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 so cool I love this topic I feel like you know the memory piece is is so human and obviously mm-hmm. I think there's also I think elephants have memory and things like that too and so we're not the only ones that have these like nostalgic feelings but you know we're the ones that can buy on Amazon so ha ha. <laughs> well thank you so much for having this really really fun conversation with me and I actually think this is maybe our last episode together on this journey of of going through human emotions and I just want to man it's been such a fun ride with you and I have learned so much from you and you've expanded my way of thinking in so many ways and so I wanted to just say thank you for gifting me with that and and more even so thank you for gifting our audience with your way of thinking oh yeah no this has been a blast thank you so much for inviting me on and it's been good to lift I think one of the things we talked about at the start was sort of elevating conversation beyond like what are the kind of transactional things that happen in the world of commerce into what makes commerce human from, you know, talking about brands, we're talking about employees, we're talking about our own behaviors. Um, and yeah, the, the, the human, human traits that tie us all together and actually kind of give some sense of like, you know, meaning and uh, interpreting what those are in the spaces between brands and retailers and consumers. So it's been, it's, it's definitely been, been interesting to connect all the dots that way. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think so the next episode, you'll, you'll just have me and I'll go through sort of just a wrap up of all of the different emotions and some of the key highlights from this season. But truly, if, if you haven't listened to the rest of the season, please go back and, and listen to our episodes about the human experience and how content and commerce and products and brands and consumers all combine to, to go through this human experience together. And thank you so much for being a part of that journey, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you.